Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, where a gaming podcast. And each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And welcome back, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining us once again as we dive further into the world of games. So first off, before we get too far into the episode, I want to apologize for my voice right now. I'm getting better, but I still can't get over this thing. It's been two and a half weeks and the doctors don't know what's wrong with me. Spent a lot of time in the ER and getting a bunch of tests and all this stuff. So bear with me. I apologize. <laughs> and it's been a pretty long day, too. <laughs> Not going to lie. I uh, did a lot of strenuous activity today that I probably shouldn't have done. But don't worry. We're here for you guys. And we're going to be recording an awesome episode regardless of that fact. But yeah. Uh, so we've done, man, it's kind of tough to kind of roll this episode up into just one sweet little package, right? Like, there's been so many amazing games, and we keep harping on this. There's been so many games out there, and there's a lot of games that we've been playing. Uh, there's a lot of things that we've been diving into, even games from the past, uh, just just that get kind of brought back up uh, based off of what's coming out now when it comes to comparisons and things like that. And really, like the theme for 2023, I would say, is RPG. Like RPGs are king whether it comes from AAA titles or it comes from indie or it comes from, you know, different countries or whatever it may be. There's so many amazing RPGs out there. So we're going to be diving into some of the ones that we've been playing, some of the other titles that we've been looking at, and then just a little general update because there's a couple games that uh, Chris was able to talk about on the episode that I missed, but I've also beaten them recently too, and I'd like to chat about it a little bit. I uh, won't go too far too crazy. You know, Chris did an amazing job summing up games like Star Ocean. So we're just trying to do brief little highlights of what I felt about it, my experience, because my experience was very weird, I would say, in the realm of Star Ocean, as far as how quickly I beat that game. I don't know why or how I was able to do that. But anyway, we'll dive into that one a little bit later in the episode. But would you like to start us off with just kind of feeding us with some games and what you've been playing or what RPGs kind of caught your eye real quick and all that good stuff in between? Yeah. So I've actually, before this episode, I was thinking about, it, I'm like, I feel like I haven't played enough RPGs this year in a sense that it's like looking at like what I've been wanting to play per se, mm -hmm. because I have, I made this huge list, right. That at least goes back uh, I don't know, at least to like 98, where I was like, I want to play all these games. And for the most part, it's kind of mixed genre, but most of it is primarily RPGs. And there's a lot of classics I never played. And I was telling myself, maybe next year, that'll be my thing where I'm like, I want to see what, you know, the Ultima games are like. Right, like yeah, go old school, try wizardry. Like I've played one of the wizardries and it was like one of the newer ones, kind mm -hmm. of like I think it was like early two thousands, maybe. I don't remember. It was like old but not super old. But I wanna see a lot of the origins with that, because it's like I've played pretty much every Final Fantasy and Dragon Warrior. I've played a lot of the bigger franchises that are more modern friendly, I guess. And but it would be nice to I'm, go back to what even inspired them, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like I wanna I wanna see these like late 80s, maybe even mid 80s. Like, I don't know if I want to go super old school and play like dungeon or like you know, like early, early ones, because those are kind of 
a little hard to get into from what I was watching, but it still would be fun to play like at least, you know, Ultima and stuff like that. But, you know, there's, I also look back, I'm like, there's still a lot of RPGs I really want to play. Like I really want to play Vagrant Story a lot. Mm-hmm. And I've, that's been on my list since I was a, kid. I was a child. Yeah. The first time I and, saw that game, I was like, hell yeah. I love the aesthetic of like that cover art. I still remember it to this day. Mm-hmm. Like I love the character design in that. And I have yet to play that game. I like we really need to play that one. It's a weird like connection of one that we both missed, you know? Yeah, I I think I rented it when I was younger and I couldn't understand the battle system. So I had taken it back. But now obviously I'm an adult, so I, I feel like I would understand it. Fingers but, crossed, right? You, you would hope. You know, I, I love that it's connected to uh tactics advance and uh, Final Fantasy 12, which is kind of cool. Like, it, mm-hmm. or at least it's in the same world, so that makes it kind of interesting. But you know, there's just RPGs on every console where I'm like, oh man, I really want to experience that. Let alone a lot of Western ones, right? Like, I don't know if I'd want to play the older Baldur's Gate. I feel like I'd want to play the newest one first and then go back. But I definitely want to go through that realm as well. Mm-hmm. But you know, looking back just at this year. I've at least kept up with a lot of RPGs that came out this year. And I did knock out some older ones, uh, like Wild Arms was great. Um, I love that one, too. But my focus was trying to finish the ones this year. And I think, aside from Boulder's Gate 3, I kind of played all the big ones uh, that got dropped. And for me, I already went into star ocean two a lot so i'll let you speak on your experience with it but for me aside from star ocean i think one of my favorite like big rpgs that came out this year might surprisingly be octopath 2 which is Um, it's a great pick you know it it surprised me because i honestly i beat the first one but i didn't like it Mm. i i I liked how the the cities looked, but for some reason, I just did not like that game. And everyone around me was like, it's such a great game. It's a return to like the classics. And I'm like, I don't know about that. Like it just, everything felt cut and paste in a lot of ways with the characters. You know, it's like you start this character. Okay. We're going to do this event, this event boss. And then every character was like that. And granted, the sequel is kind of like that too, but it's switched up a little bit. And it's just switched up enough where it kind of feels different. Plus, the characters in the sequel are just way more interesting. Like, And they actually put a real connection between those characters too. Yeah. That's what was missing for me in the first one, personally. Yeah, there was no connection. It was just, it never, honestly, I felt like it didn't really explain why all eight really came together in the first one whereas this one they at least added enough like connections where oh it makes sense oh they're getting along and it's weird because i'm like thinking there wasn't really a character i disliked in the sequel i mean well the dancer storyline was my probably my least favorite but it was it wasn't for me but i still liked the combat and kind of the setup 
in a weird way, the only combat I didn't like, surprisingly, was the hunter. Mm. Um, Interesting. Like, I wanted the, that and the dancer. I'm like, I want to get through these as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. But, you know, surprise, like, I really liked Particio's. I, I play with the English voices because uh, mm-hmm. I was curious about it. I did not like Particio's voice because that southern accent in it, a game like yeah. this really confused me, especially coming from a western. Well, like, he's like the only town. one that has it. Yeah, it I it really like I wish I was like, I wish I could just play with his Japanese voice and the rest in English. But, you know, regardless, I really liked his story and the cities, everything about the game just felt great. And I love that, you know, to an extent it was open or at least world mapish, you know, with the boat. And mm-hmm. I think they took everything that was great in the first one and everything that was, I didn't like about the first one basically got cut. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's why I was kind of bummed when I was looking at the game awards and it's like for RPGs of the year, it's not even in it. I think it's under like, music or something Uh i'm just like really like i don't want to diss starfield but i'm like starfield's more like an action game in a lot of ways and that you know nominated at all to be honest like and i'm like this game got snubbed you know like granted nothing is gonna win against boulder's gate 3 but in that sense but to me like i was very surprised by Octopath 2 in a way that I, you know, I, I'm a defender of it. You know, like mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people that I talk to now kind of had the same feeling about the first one that, you know, that non-connection of characters really killed it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I don't want to try the sequel. And I'm like, you should. Like, yeah, it's a long game. But I, for the most part, got almost everything except for beating that optional boss at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's a lot of really great things in Octopath. And actually, one of my favorite things was with the Hunter, uh, the fact that all the secret bosses that are throughout the world, you know, like the the crazy monsters that you can find in oh, fight. Oh, yeah. Like, you can recruit all of those, like, crazy Pokemon training, right? So, like, you're getting these amazing legendaries that are crazy powerful, like, hidden bosses, and you can actually keep them, you know? Like... That was a really cool add-on. I like that a lot. And it just made the hunter that much stronger with the summons. I, I really did appreciate that one. But the I, what I will say is that the mo- like probably one of the most powerful things to do in uh, Octopath is the same exact thing that you could do in the first one was with the merchant, you know, just hire and bring in <laughs> like the most expensive thing and, you know, BP just it dominate. all the way up and just dominate. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. like there's that where it's kind of like a little bit of rinse and repeat. Like yeah, the thief like their move set was freaking nuts in this game where you can go first, you know, and I was able to bust out I think like 30k before the enemy can even attack sometimes uh because of how crazy powerful I spec out the thief. So like there's some really cool stuff you can do with it, but yeah, the some of the mechanics do carry over and it's the same as far as that goes, but what they did different was working on the story, bringing those connections together, and actually making the world and these characters feel like they belong together. And that was really amazing. And I think that really showed uh, with like the little bits of conversation 
that your characters would have um, pre and post combat or even during combat, right? Like when someone does like a crazy big move, one of your party members might even call it out, which I thought was like, it's such a small thing, but it really does mean a lot. And it just kind of adds to that connection. There's another game that just came out recently that did that too. And was really like advertising it. I can't remember which one it was. Oh, it was uh, it was Star Ocean. That like that was one of the big things that they in the mm-hmm. trailer they brought up. Like oh, you know, like now your characters will have conversations while walking around on the map to like show that togetherness. So like you can tell that they were taking notes from Octopath. They they can tell how important that was, especially with a party that large. Because Star Ocean, you can have a pretty large party. Right. And you can have a lot of people in in there and it just kind of adds to the whole idea of people actually traveling together and building those bridges together and and just making it where it feels like even though they might not be in your main party, they're still there. Right. They're still important. They're still part of the story. So I, I think that's a pretty amazing touch that or something that Octopath has given us that I would not be surprised to see in RPGs going on like in the future right like this is just a quick easy fix to make things feel a lot more connected and a lot more immersive uh, and it's it's pretty brilliant and you know we have to do a little nod to octopath for really showing us how important that is and how great that actually works so that, they that made was it really cool interesting mm-hmm. because i remember like the tales games had like a you know, oh, press the select button, and then you have this little like dialogue boxes, right? Where it's like, right. but you have to actively heads. do that and stop the gameplay, right? Exactly. It yeah. it didn't feel realistic in a weird way, and that was something I did love about the Star Ocean remake. Was like, yeah, you have your personal actions, right? Where it's like, I go to this map for an event, but being able to just run around the town and they're chatting amongst each other. And talking, was nice. I was like, it's yeah. cool. Like seeing it, them going I, and shopping or doing their own thing, mm-hmm. you know, like that was really nice. Yeah, I'm surprised more haven't really like picked up on that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, I guess I can chat a little bit about Star Ocean since we brought it up anyway. Like, so this is the first time I played Star Ocean. There, the, this. The second one, right? Uh, I I never played the original, so the, I was going into this completely blind. Uh, the only thing I knew is that you can recruit characters, but if you recruit certain ones, you might get locked out of others. But I didn't really look into any of that, right? So I'm getting really far in this game. I, I think I'm at like hour 15. And I'm like, wow, this really feels like I'm getting close to endgame. This is kind of trippy because I only have gotten three characters, Right. And like, I feel like I should have a little bit more by now. Right. Because I'm already fighting the main big bads like they're there. They're being introduced. I'm like, this is weird, but OK. And it turns out like I just completely missed the opportunity because, you know, an event happens that completely removes every single person from the population <laughs> that you can't recruit them anymore. Uh, and that happened. And I was like, OK, well, this is crazy. This is nuts. Uh, but like that game is typically around what, like you would say, like maybe 30 to 40 hours, right? Like how long did it take you to beat it? it took me about just at 30. 30. Okay. So and I did I, a lot. I, I felt like I was doing a lot. I felt like I was talking to everybody. I felt like I was doing, uh, I, but I guess I wasn't doing as much as I thought I was. 
because I clocked 19 hours in this game, which is just kind of nuts. And I beat it, right? And like I got my characters to level 98 and everything. I was like, wow, like I feel like I'm really going really far with this. But yeah, I, I only clocked 19 hours in Star Ocean. And that's probably one of the shortest, like big JRPGs that I've played in a long time. In, in my experience with it right and yeah i only got a couple of the characters and it's just kind of funny i was like oh this is weird because i would go online and i would look at like i looked at the character sheet and I'm like where are these people like i've never <laughs> even saw any of these people like and there was like i don't know like nine more people that i could have interacted with and i'm like i, I don't know who they are like luckily i had a decent party that i can actually finish the game with but yeah, it just kind of goes to show that th this game has a lot more behind it than what originally meets the eye. You know, like you can speed through it, which I guess I speed run that game, uh, or you can really dive in and just kind of get super immersed. And like now I'm actually tempted to do a different playthrough with, uh, you know, a different character. I wouldn't do uh, Claude this time and just kind of actually try and interact with as much as I possibly can because it, it was a really interesting game I, I did really enjoy it uh, the level up system the, while at first I could see how some people might get confused by it because it is a lot there's you're basically leveling up three separate categories at every time right or mm -hmm. four if you count your basic stats when you level up as well but it once you find those like little niche things and there's certain specs that you kind of feel like you should dump into first, right? Like there's effort, which increases experience of every single battle. And if you give that to everybody, it just kind of makes sense because it's just going to make your leveling up experience go that much faster. You know, little things like that. So I started kind of doing that route and really diving into the mechanics of the level up system. And I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it's a it's a really cool game, gorgeous to look at. Combat wasn't too complicated; it was pretty straightforward. Um, but the there is like one point in the game where all of a sudden it became really really hard, and I was like, "What am I doing wrong?" Because I've I would one shot bosses up until this point, and then out of nowhere, I wasn't even coming close to beating these guys like not even close like they were destroying my party in like a minute you know and i'm like i i don't know what i did wrong <laughs> like they're instant KOing everyone like what am i doing uh so i ended up you know leaving for a little bit and uh loading up a save right before that area and just leveling up and then going back and being able to actually take them out it's still a challenge but like i had to grind a little bit so maybe that kind of shows exactly how much I was kind of speeding through it where maybe if I had slowed down a little bit during the rest of the game I would have been at the proper level up to that point I, I don't know but yeah there, there seemed to be like a little bit of a, a level up uh, like a level ramp there where it was like oh shit this is hard <laughs> like I actually have to pay attention to these things right now and not just mindlessly kill a bunch of things and on the screen but yeah no it, it was a really great experience I do really enjoy that game a lot so I'm happy to play through that one finally Yeah, it's kind of a, it's surprising how you kind of went through not seeing all those characters, but I know a lot of them, it's kind of like, oh, you'd have to backtrack to find them. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's the only way I got them. And I'm like, eh, 
But I mean, 19 hours, damn, that's crazy. Um, well, I read on one of them, like, he shows up and he's recruitable after this area, but he's off screen. But there's nothing indicating that, like, you should be further exploring this area because it's like you go into a dungeon and then you leave, right? But mm-hmm. there's, like, one screen that's outside the dungeon, and if you happen to go to the left, it pans out a little bit more and he's there. But if you leave, he goes away. And I'm like, well, shit. Like, I, how, how was I supposed to know, right? Like, <laughs> he was nowhere. Like, it, it would have been nice to maybe see him in the dungeon. Or, you know, like, give me a little yeah. bit of a hint. Not that, like, oh, I need to go to the left where the screen's cut off. And it's not, like... Because they made it sound like, oh, I did this thing. Now it's time to go back to this area. We're on a time crunch, right? So, like, you're kind of booking it back and forth to a couple areas. And that was that that instance of me missing out on this character. I'm like, oh, well, shit. Like, okay. Like, I, I guess I should have turned left instead of turning right on a screen that doesn't look like there's anything else to that other side of the area, you know? So that that was a little interesting. But I guess I just have to just explore every nook and cranny of that game. Yeah, I was back, you know, back in that era of games where it's like, you should probably talk to everybody and explore every nook and cranny, you know, which it as I got older, I felt like I appreciated that less because, you know, time is more valuable as an yeah. adult. Yeah. Whereas as a kid, I loved it because it just there was more to see. But. I think that's something in a lot of modern RPGs, especially with like, you know, Eastern RPGs where it's like a lot of it, it's there's, there's characters there, there's sites there, but there's like more of a streamlined path compared to say like your typical like CRPG where it's like very open in a way where it's like, you should probably talk to everybody because you might miss some kind of dialogue that's important. Yeah. And a lot of like RPGs now that I've noticed, a lot of the dialogue doesn't feel as important. So that's why when I was playing, you know, the Star Ocean 2 remake, I was like, oh, I kind of want to talk to everybody or at least like a good chunk. And I mean, granted, it's not like they're providing a whole lot of interesting banter, but it just it felt kind of nice doing that again, because I feel like for years I kind of stopped doing that. Yeah, I was just always kind of golden pathing it and doing side quests. But for me, that's why, you know, another big RPG that came out this year kind of I felt like streamlined it just right in some ways. But with Sea of Stars, I felt like you know, it was very clear path. Like you got your party, you couldn't really miss anything, right? Like everything mm-hmm. was always just kind of there. And there was, you know, some towns with people to talk to, but it wasn't like a ton of them. And I felt like the story was pretty easy to get through. Like there wasn't a whole lot of like side stuff and everything concluded basically mm-hmm. and i i don't know i really liked it a lot i felt like i mean i backed it uh back when i first saw it and i'm pretty happy with it like at first when i beat it i was kind of like okay like i liked it but i didn't like it as much as i was hoping to mm. but as i kind of like look back on the year now i'm like that was actually a really good game like it for me, 
I think a modern style of that game, they, they did a lot of quality of life to the genre that I think works for, you know, a busy adult, I guess I could say. And I didn't appreciate that as soon as I finished it, but looking back and after playing a couple of these longer RPGs, I'm like, I kind of like that. Like it just worked. Yeah, no, I agree. That it, that was definitely a lot of fun. That it was a really, really good game. Uh, and it has all the nods to the classics that you would like, right? And mm-hmm. but it, like you said, it, it had a lot of really good quality of life things and just kind of modernized it a little bit. It, it kind of reminded me of like Chained Echoes in that way, where mm-hmm. it's a very good nod to the past, but keeping it very modern. So you don't feel like you're getting bogged down by a bunch of these things or you don't feel like you're missing out on anything as well. So like it was a classic RPG designed for a new aged player, right? Like like you said, the, we kind of were, it's almost like when RPGs first came out, we were taught to talk to absolutely everybody. And then slowly mm-hmm. that kind of got phased out, right? So now when you play an RPG, you don't really like dive into every single person that's on the map because some of these maps are massive, right? Like, can you imagine trying to do that or talk to every NPC <laughs> in something like cyberpunk, you know, like that's not going to happen. Right. And most of them you can't even talk to Right. So it's, you just kind of learn to only talk to the people that have a marker ahead, above their head. Right. Like you're only looking yeah. for that kind of stuff. And I feel like with chain echoes and with CS stars, they were able to give us that nostalgia feel, but make it so that you talk to the important people, you got the information that you needed, you got the party members that you were supposed to have, the mechanics just worked, they were quick, they're, you know, especially with CSRs with the the rhythm mechanic built in and the puzzle mm-hmm. mechanic as well of like trying to figure out the best strategy to hit an enemy, which I think is a great add-on in the game. Because uh, it really made you start to try and think about turn order and who should go and how to mix these attacks and balance things out a little bit. Because whenever the enemy has like a slot machine above their head and it'll have different uh, damage types above them. And if you hit them with all those damage types before their turn comes up, then you basically cancel out their big attack, right? It could be a big magic spell or whatever it may be. And like that's a really cool mechanic of being able to shut down the enemy's moves. But being able to find that right balance of being able to do that, you know, like it was really, really cool. And the rhythm mechanics, I think, are just fantastic because it just kind of adds to the like it makes turn based combat feel more active where mm-hmm. at all times you're doing something right. And even whenever you're getting attacked. If you read the animations correctly and you block at the right time, you take less damage, right? So, like, you're at, instead of just kind of mindlessly clicking attack and just waiting for your turn to come up, where it's like a chess match, right? Where it's I go, you go, I go, you go. You can now interact even during enemy turns, during like what would be quote unquote downtime. You have something to do. So, I, I really do appreciate that and it, it just makes it feel that much more modern but still very very classic at the same time it's it's a very interesting mix there yeah it was a good modern take on like mario rpg or legend of dragoons kind mm. of like active yeah like 
passive battle system where it's like press press this button at a certain time like it it felt good to have that in the game because i feel like even every rpg i play i'm always hitting that one button when i get attacked thinking this is gonna help you know it's just like in pokemon right. as a kid oh yeah I'd always press it thinking, yeah mm-hmm. i was like this must work and i remember everyone thought that way too and i think it came out that it, it doesn't do anything in pokemon but mm-hmm. i'm like I still think it does. You oh, know, yeah. it's that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Or you hold down uh, down B whenever the Pokeball is shaking, right? In oh, Pokeball. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do that all the time. That's that. <laughs> it's like a weird force of habit. I don't know where I picked it up from. I don't know where I read that. And But it does absolutely nothing. Like, it's just, yeah. But you feel like it should do something. And mm-hmm. maybe, like, in the next Pokemon game, they should bring that in. That'd be hilarious, right? <laughs> Like, what if you have to press down B and, like, tap beads and you just get a better chance of catching it? If you don't do it and it's a low-level Pokemon, you just catch it like you normally would. But if you do it, then maybe that increases it by, you know, like, 2 or 3%, right? Like, that'd be fun. I would totally do that. That just makes sense. It's great. I love it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. All right, so we keep bringing back or, like, mentioning games and... It's it's nice to talk about these RPGs that are coming out now in 2023 and just being able to clearly see the, you know, the roots of these titles, right? And you brought up Ultima earlier, right? And I, mm-hmm. I, right now we have a game that just came out recently. It's called Moonring uh, that really does take the Ultima and the roguelike ex- or rogue aesthetic, you know, and just modernizes it and brings it to us now, which is really, really cool because like you said, a lot of people like us, like we might be curious about playing Ultima, but these game makers have now made it available to us in a modern setting. So you can kind of say that like you're getting the vibes of playing those classic games because of the aesthetic, the way that the controls are, all those things. But then there's some hidden new modern stuff to just kind of bring it to this century, right? And just kind of change things up. And I think Moonring does that very well. It's a it's a very interesting game, uh, a lot of fun to play, but it's, it's very classic aesthetic. Uh, you know, you just move around in uh, cardinal directions on a map, you bump into things and interact with them. And it's just, it's a lot of fun though. Like, and there's a lot going on. And I, I do want to dive more into this game. I don't feel like I gave it enough time because the when I was playing it, that was like in the middle of the worst part of my sickness. Uh, so I was on some really heavy medications and I was just kind of like staring at the pretty lights. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I just kept dying. <laughs> but I kept noticing like all of the other things on the screen and not really like dissecting exactly what is all of this doing because there's a lot of mechanics that I feel are, you know, right there on the surface that I just didn't let myself dive into. But I did really enjoy my time with it still because it was another game just like, uh, you know, with CSRs and Chain Echoes and those kind of games. And that, you know, you can feel the past in this title, but it feels very modern still at the same time. And I, I thought that was very fascinating. But I know you played a little bit more of it, so maybe you can speak a little bit better about, about it because my my drugged-out haze memory is probably not the best of this game. It's I am really surprised by it because, I mean, it's free. So, I mean, when you look at free games on Steam, it 
they're usually not the best games, right? It's it's very questionable if they're going to be enjoyable or not. But I remember checking this out because I was like, ooh, this looks really weird for a free game. And then I saw that it was made by the co-creator, Fable. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Why is this free? Like, it's got to be a trial. And right, for such a big creator behind it, you know? Yeah, and I looked into it, and it's a 40-hour game, basically. And it's a full game. Like, there's no microtransactions. There's nothing. It's just a labor of love put out there. And it's fascinating because I, yeah, I have a little more time in it. I haven't put as much time as I want to. But I, I've gotten enough where I finished the first dungeon and I got to the next big town. And I really like it a lot. And I, like I said earlier, I never really grew up playing like this old school style of game. I think the closest might be more like mystery dungeon or, you know, like rogue like kind of stuff where it's like grid based. I guess that's what you would call it or towel based, not. Not like Binding of Isaac style, but more of like Dungeons of Dreadmore or um, the the older approach. Or for and, modern people right now, the like um, Crypt of the Necro Dancer, right? It's very yeah, like tile based, yeah. Where they don't move unless you move, kind of. Well, I guess this game they do move without you moving, but um, it's it, it's in that kind of style. Well, no, I guess they don't move. Never mind. No, they move when you do. Yeah. (laughs) But it's in that style. So it's still somewhat turn-based. And this game surprised me because I didn't think I was really going to enjoy it as much as I did. But it's streamlined enough where I'm like, oh, this feels really, really good. And this is why I brought that up in the beginning. Like, wow, this makes me want to play the oldies. And granted, I know the oldies aren't going to be as streamlined as this right i know it's going to be a lot more basic and Mm. not in a negative way it's just not going to have all the quality of life stuff but i loved it you know i it's a game where i'm like oh i should keep a notebook next to me and write this out because it's like the beginning area it's like oh you need to you know go to i think they're telling you to go to the town but if you go to the little shed underneath your house, you find like a secret room that has a key or a chest. And it's like, there's treasure buried in the bottom of the graveyard or something like that. And you're like, oh, I wonder what that is. Mm-hmm. So get the key, you go into this dungeon and it's like, for the most part, the enemies are pretty easy, right? Like you kind of get a basic understanding like, oh, I'm going to sneak, do double damage, stuff, blah, blah, blah. You get to like kind of the end, right? There's always that one strong enemy, and it just kept killing me instantly. I was like, "What? What the hell's going on?" Like, it's not like I'm gaining levels like constantly, like grind, right? Mm-hmm. But once I learned, like, okay, I need to play more defensively, right? So I tried. There's spider webs, and when when something gets stuck on a spider web, they're kind of frozen there for a few turns. So I'd sneak smack and then i try to guide them to a spider web they're frozen there i hit them a bunch of times and you know after doing that tactic a few times it worked and i was able to complete the dungeon and start moving over to uh the next big town 
And the thing I love about the overworld is that it's just really fascinating. And there's this thing called, there's like this mist, basically, and it's like a poisonous mist. And you have a lantern that kind of protects you from it. But if you don't use that, you're basically getting poisoned. And mm -hmm. there's so many things in this game that I'm just like, it It really blows my mind that it's free. Like, the skill system is very detailed. Like, there's a lot of skills to choose from. And it's just, I, it's sad that I'm not seeing enough people talk about this game because I feel like this game should stand out because we don't see free games like this ever. And I don't know if we really will see this as a trend because obviously people want to make money, which, you know, is understandable. You put hours of your life into a creation, you should get rewarded or you should get payment for your work. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this, this is a good, like, great start. Like, I, I'm really excited to play this. And it's like, I'm juggling between a couple, especially RPGs right now. And this is one of them. And I'm like, I think this is one where I kind of can't step away from it because I feel like if I step away for too long, I'm just going to forget everything. Yeah. But it's, it's awesome. You know, it's definitely not for everybody, but if you want like a old, old style of RPG, I think this is perfect. And it, you know, I was looking into like wizardry and stuff also because I figured, Oh, that's the other old school. And I forgot that this year Digital Eclipse actually remade the first game fully in 3D. Oh, cool. Um, Didn't know that. And uh, it's actually interesting. I mean, it's early access still, but it's cool. You know, I mean, it's more dungeon crawly, so it's in that style. But, I mean, that's a whole other RPG subgenre that I really want to check out too because I haven't played that many dungeon crawlers as well. Right. But same. um it's this year I feel like we saw really a good jump between retro inspired and kind of like modern takes on the RPG genre in, in general. You know, it's I know we had an episode talking about the golden age and stuff like that, but this year really definitely does feel like a good combination of old and new. Mm -hmm. And, you know, speaking of, like, refreshing takes on stuff, uh, I know I kind of spoke about this game before, but I just wanted to bring it up real quick again, because it is kind of a roguelike, and a, and a, and a, or it's more run-based, uh, but World of Horror really is a very interesting turn-based RPG, because you do have your stats, you do have your turn-based battles, and... It's definitely in line with that rock, paper, scissor kind of combat mm -hmm. style. And it's actually really fun. Uh, it honestly is really confusing when you first look at it. I feel like I had to do two runs before I kind of understood what was going on. Because they explain things, but they don't explain things in full detail. Or maybe I'm just, maybe I was just a little slow when I was playing it. <laughs> but... It it was cool. Like, I I really like the game a lot. Like it really definitely feels like you're playing like a Junji Ito kind of game. And story's great. And it's it's cool. It's that's another one that kind of surprised me. And it 
I don't want to say it reminds me a lot of a visual novel, but visual novels are definitely a genre that I'm kind of coming to embrace, I guess, this year since I played Doki Doki earlier. And this game kind of has that feeling in some ways with mm-hmm. a lot of the story heavy. And then a game I'll talk about later is a visual novel that really struck with me. So, yeah, I feel like this year has been a really good year uh, for the games I played so far. Yeah. Now, that game was actually really interesting. I played the demo of it. And I one of the things I will say, like, uh, the visuals are really, really nice to see. I do like the loop system itself. So every time you die, you have to restart, you know, and it. But it, it, you can die in like really stupid ways, like slipping a banana peel or something ridiculous like that. So you just learn, mm-hmm. don't do that, you know. Uh, but the combat I thought was really interesting with the rock paper scissors mechanic, uh, because the the enemies themselves, when you encounter a new enemy, you don't know what type it is. But if you look at the artwork, it gives you a hint as to what it might be. So that was really cool. I I like that a lot. Where each one of the enemies might have, you know, like if it has a hand maybe it's in a fist right and that's your hint that it's going to throw rock so that you have to use like a paper move to take it out or do more more damage to it right or little things like that or maybe it was like a really sharp looking enemy you know and that happens to be scissors you know like so that that was a really clever way of doing it in the artwork itself so that you don't like because with every rpg out there it kind of just comes with trial and error you figure out what the weaknesses are of these enemies as you play through or in final fantasy games you have the spell libra right that you can use and you get kind of stats on all the enemies themselves but you have to spend a turn to do that I i like the fact that here the artwork says it all so if you're actually paying attention to the artwork you're looking at it you're kind of dissecting what's going on uh, you can decipher what the weaknesses are going to be based off of that. So that was a really nice touch. I, I like that one a lot. And I, I would like to kind of pick that game back up after the demo because that was a really interesting one for sure. Yeah, I've only gotten, I think, about three hours in uh, in Stars and Time. And like you were saying with the art style, it's it's cool because you can read it. It's As you get further on, there's enemies that don't have the symbols, which... It's interesting because, you know, as a backup, you have a character that can kind of examine and learn their weaknesses and stuff. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they can't even do that. So you have to go back to that old school style where it's like, I should attack with a rock and see if it works. Oh, they're resistant to it. That must mean they're, you know, paper. So it's it's really cool. And going into the loop system, it's... It's a mechanic I normally don't really care for in games because I feel like a lot of times it's not done in an interesting way. But from the bit that I've played so far, maybe because the writing is kind of quirky and funny, it makes it interesting. And I love that, you know, basically after the second loop, they're like, oh, you can skip everything just to get back here. Like you don't have to deal with all of this over again. Cause it's like, you look at some games that have a looping mechanic and it's like, you don't unlock that kind of fast progression Mm. until like maybe halfway through a game. Right. But here it's like like, minute you have to do it all over again every single time. Yeah. Here it's like, we know you're sick of it. Like you can see it if you want, there's not many changes, but 
you can still play it and beat the game this way. And I, I honestly really love that about it. And, you know, the music's great. Everything about it, like, it surprised me. Because I honestly wasn't really interested in this game at first. Aside from just, like, the, the look of it. But the more I'm playing of it, the more I'm like, oh, this is actually really enjoyable. Because it's not complex. But there's a lot of little things going on to make it at least enjoyable and different. Right. So some that I've kind of had my eyes on and going into the new year, I kind of like made a list of ones I want to play. And when it comes to the indie RPGs, especially this year, I, because I feel like we've been able to tackle most of them, there's not a whole lot more that I want to play aside from like a couple. And one that really stood out to me that is really interesting because I feel like either I'm very interested in these games or I, I, I totally block them out of my mind. But there's this game called Colony Ship. And in a lot of ways, there is combat. And the combat can be kind of difficult. But it can also be treated as like a narr- like a persuasion game, I guess you could call it. And it kind of reminds me in a sense like how Disco Elysium is kind of like a story conversation heavy game. I feel like this game is kind of like that too. But you're on a generation ship and you're kind of stuck, right? So basically there's this whole society of different factions on this ship. And you know you're going to die. Right, because that's what generation ships are. They're supposed to be ships where you know you live your life, you have children, you die, they have children, and then hopefully their children live to see whatever planet your ship is destined to land on. Right, and that's kind of like the the premise of the game is you exploring the ship and seeing what life is like on you know in that kind of setting, and it's interesting, and I kind of. I've been wanting to experience more of these kind of games. And yeah, between that one and one that I really, I've been interested in this one for a long time uh, since they first announced it, but Small Saga is another one where you're Mm. playing like a little mouse with a knife. Yeah, that looks awesome. Um, And I have a friend that's played it and loves it. And I'm probably going to pick it up soon because Honestly, it's like, I'm like, oh, I might as well just pick it up now. Like, it actually looks really fun. But wasn't that one made in Godot as well? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. But, you know, other than that, I'm like thinking back and I'm like, yeah, I think next year, like, I know I'm always saying, like, oh, I think like 2022, that was like trying to play some like of the more well-known games that I never got around to. And I remember kind of keeping in line with that. Of course, I'm not going to get to all of them. So I'm still thinking like, man, I'm still missing out on a lot. And then this year it was like, I think this year I was trying to play through a lot more horror games, but because of how many good games came out this year, it kind of got pushed aside a little bit. Mm -hmm. I've been able to keep up, but not as much as I want. But I think next year... It's just going to be RPGs, you know, unless we have another like banger year of games. I think like I definitely want to catch up 
with old stuff next year. And uh, I definitely want to document it better, too. Mm-hmm. You know, either through recordings or through streaming. And basically any game I play, I'm always recording footage. But I just never think about, like, oh, what can we do with this? What can we do? But, right. you know, stay tuned if you ever want to you'll ever want to watch something. I have a bunch of stuff saved. But <laughs> yeah. it's going to be the Yeah, HQ I'm excited Let's for next year coming up. Yep. <laughs> right. It's crazy to think this year's almost over. Like it's yeah. it's been a really good year and I'm excited for our like game of the year or, you know, top 10 games of the year or whatever because mm-hmm. I think we're going to have very different lists and in a lot of ways they'll be similar but they're going to be like different. Oh, yeah. and um I'm excited because I feel like last year we kind of had a somewhat similar list. But this year, I think I could see mine being very... There's a lot of games I haven't talked about that I think will be on this list. So that'll be fun to go over. I'm just trying to... hundred like Not 100%, but actually finish them before that episode nice. gets recorded. Awesome. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for joining us once again. I hope you guys enjoyed yourselves. Uh, And we will talk to you all next week with some more games and all that good stuff. But until then, bye for now.